Welcome to FG on Sports, episode number 185. I'm impressed that we've gotten this far. I'm Mark Hebscher here in Studio B in Little Italy. That's, that's how they say it down here, Little Italy. <laughs> Near the, uh, not too far from the Cafe Diplomatico, right? Oh, right down the street from Cafe Dip, they call it here in the neighborhood. Hmm. Uh, Toronto Mike holding down the fort in the new Toronto studio, not far from the byway on Lakeshore. <laughs> as long as we're talking nostalgia. <laughs> hey, folks, live sports is back this weekend. What's it going to be like with no spectators? Um, if you're going golfing, are you going to play tennis or badminton or pickleball or any of these activities where you're allowed to because of social distancing? What's that going to be like? <clears throat> and But what about if you want to go to the park and play catch? or kick a soccer ball around, you'll get fined. You'll get fined by the municipality because those sporting events, activities, not yet open. Uh, what about kind of weird. I what think. if you live with the person you're kicking the ball around with? What's that? Like, like, let's say me and my son live together. Let's say we go kick a ball around or play catch. That's got to be allowed, right? If you live together. I'd have to find your ass for that one. Because <laughs> what if one of you touches the ball with your hands inadvertently or during the time period? But we live together. Right? And that soccer ball, while it was rolling along the grass, picked up a little bit of, you know, virus <laughs> from someone who had stepped on it from 15 days earlier, who had come back from Europe, who, had, who knows? <laughs> Anyway, we'll get into that, or maybe not. Meanwhile, the NFL will go on as scheduled this fall, but they're going to have to pump in crowd noise on the telecast to make up for a lack of fans. Now, Joe Buck dropped this bomb this week, and people were like, what? You're going to have cardboard cutouts of fans to make the experience, like for people watching on TV, so they think they're watching a game that has actual people there? Anyway, Joe Buck got into trouble for that. Um, a Sportsnet staffer who sent a vulgar tweet directed towards Donald Trump and his supporters uh, also um, under the gun, perhaps, uh, under fire. We're going to investigate that story. Not really investigate it. We're going to talk about it. Um, the NHL may consider modified face shields for all players, officials, and coaches when they return to play in order to prevent the spread of virus. Hey, this is a good idea. It's just that all the NHL players are going to look like welders now. Right. <laughs> right. With like the face shield down down here <clears throat> so that their sweat and their their sweat and spit and droplets and all that stuff won't be on other players. Because there's no way any guy is going to play. Any- Hebsey, your Internet went went bananas for a moment. Hebsey, is your Internet OK? Two hours earlier before the game. Still a little bit. Uh, concerned about that. So we'll talk about that as well. Um, The story of Willie Horton, who in a short time with the Blue Jays was involved in an incident with police whereby he was whacked upside the head by a policeman's baton. If you can believe that. I think we have a problem with the internet connection here, Mike, but it shouldn't have anything to do with the show, right? Your audio is okay. You did, uh, there was actually like two or three seconds when your audio disappeared. So hopefully your internet... uh, fixes itself because right now your video is frozen pretty good here i'm looking at the oh. i can hear i can hear you now i can hear you now okay but you can't see me well you're frozen <laughs> yeah but it's a pretty good shot actually. yeah it's not bad <laughs> and let's keep going and then we'll see maybe your video will snap back to life at some point let's keep going you, you were considering stopping the show because there's a video freeze <laughs> no but there was there was a three second you'll hear it in the replay there was a three second audio freeze which tells me ah. it's your internet it's not just the stage 10 well but... my internet seems fine here 
Um, oh, where was I now? Remember, Mike, remember when we started doing the podcast and you were very much against any video component to it? Yeah, I do remember that. You talked me into it. It would take away from <laughs> it would take away from the the quality of the show, from the material <laughs> that we're talking about. We were too concerned with how things look. Right. Welcome to my world. This is the way it was in television for years. You had to get over the fact that maybe it didn't look as well as great as you had hoped. Right. But the rest of the content, if it's good, it shouldn't matter. <laughs> like people are calling now saying, wow, Lisa LaFlam has let her hair grow out and look at it there. Right. Stuff like that. As if this is making a huge difference in the news that she's uh, reading to you, that, you know, that she's presenting. Oh, my God. Look at Lisa LaFlam has gray hair. Come <laughs> on. <clears throat> Should be about the material we're talking about. Anyway, um, let's get to it here, first of all. The um, the one the other one thing is the somebody tweeted this out. What's the one hot sports take that you will never back down from? The one personal hot sports take that you'll never back down from. Uh, and I immediately, of course, went, "Oh, Pete Rose shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame." And boy, whew, people all over me. That's a good one. So, Mike, the door is now open. Slowly and not so surely, we're getting back to normal, but not when it comes to sports. Still, a lot of questions to be answered. And while many athletes are saying, I just want to play, which I hate, and I just want to play, I don't care, I just want to play, shut up. Hmm. Every athlete that ever said that in the past got ripped off, got stomped on by the owners, laughed at by the fans, and, and then probably for the rest of their lives was known as the guy, like Gordy Howe. He was like the most, he acquiesced all the time. Hey, big fella, we'll give you $100. Don't, don't, don't join the players' union. Right. And too often, the player would say, I just want to play. <clears throat> Making us think that these players, these athletes, were incredibly one-dimensional. Like, I get up, I play ball, I play hockey. And in fact, a lot of them were. They weren't, um, they didn't have financial acumen. They didn't maybe know the social graces outside of the locker room and, and the team bus and the team plane. And now you're getting, you know, uh, in interviews, I just want to play. Shut up. We get that. We know that. We know that if we went to every single uh, professional athlete or amateur athlete and asked them, would you rather play or not play? They're all going to say, I want to play. Now, one guy is going to go or woman is going to go, I don't want to play. Right. However, nowadays, it's I don't want to play if my life and my family's life and my friend's life is at risk, which is perfectly acceptable especially when the owners want to cut your salary and everyone else is starving and out of work. And you know, you're, you know, you, you don't deserve to make 20 million a year, maybe only 10 million hmm. or 5 million this year. So that's a whole other issue, a whole other layer, which I don't even know if I want to get into. Do you want to get into that? Uh, you know, I mean, uh, there's a lot of great topics on the agenda. That one's sort of, you know, it, that is what it is. I mean, commerce and capitalism <clears throat> tend to tend to rule the, rule the day when it comes to those types of activities. Right. It's, a, it's all about the Benjamins, baby. Yeah, yeah. and um, But I think the safety of the family, I think the future, I, uh, it, it varies player to player. A guy like LeBron James cannot afford to lose a year of salary, even if it's half the salary. I mean, he's making huge, he's in the twilight of his career. He's making the big, big bucks. He'll never make this money back in salary. He wants to play. And the other top players, they want to play. Whereas some of the other ones are like, I don't want to be pressured into this. And even though the leagues are saying, Major League Baseball, 
the NBA, the NHL are saying, look, we're not going to force you to come back to play. <clears throat> there is a lot of pressure on the players here. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And I would, you know, even a LeBron James, it's all relative, right? Like, I'm sure he has invested wisely and has uh, lots of, I think he could probably handle a year with a reduced salary. It feels like it would hurt the guys making like, I don't know, the guys making $3 million would be hurt more than the LeBrons, I would think. Because relative, yeah, it's, but, but you're right. Uh, at some point, you know, you got to put your health and safety ahead of, I think ahead of commerce, but maybe I'm thinking like a Canadian. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think it has anything to do with where you're from. I really don't. And this is unprecedented, uncharted waters, all that type of thing. And speaking of waters, this is like the proverbial, everyone sort of has to dip their toe into the water now to see, test the water. What's it like before they jump right in? Right. And, and we're talking about several stages of getting back to normal, which we may never have again. I mean, <clears throat> look at uh, the um, uh, Major League Baseball. They're saying, OK, we're not going to force the players to come back. We're going to continue to negotiate. I mean, all the players associations are talking with the respective leagues. So you're back now into a situation where what it was like following the negotiations during a baseball strike right. or a hockey strike or, you know, a lockout, whatever. We back to those days where we, we hated it. Like, oh, come on. And so we all wanted to come on. Let's just let them play. We don't care. And the players were like, we just want to play. We just want to play. We're into that kind of mode now. Golfers. Oh, we don't care. We just want to play. Oh, the golf courses are open this weekend. We just want to play. That's how much we miss it. Are you going to play? Not this weekend. But soon? Mm, I'm not into the mode yet. Of course, I would like to go out and play golf. But more than anything else, I think I'd like to go and play pickleball or be able to i don't know perform any i play frisbee in the park the little things first before i get into the big so i like to play tennis at the courts down the street for me right golf yeah eventually but i haven't even worked on my swing i haven't been out there's no driving ranges haven't been open so you really can't practice i've done a little chipping in my living room but almost <laughs> took out a lamp right <laughs> okay so here, here's the deal yeah um when you're negotiating, when these players associations are negotiating with the, the leagues and the biggest issue, I think, is testing right now. The biggest are the testing protocols sound enough to entice the players to come back where they'll feel safe. How to ensure that staff members are safe. What protocol are you putting in? What safety measures are you putting in? How often are you cleaning, um, disinfecting the dressing rooms, the common areas? So there's so much there. Are the players willing to accept a lot less money to play in a controlled environment, like what they're suggesting in baseball, where everybody plays sort of in pods in one area? And if somebody tests positive, they shut that pod down for two weeks or whatever. Wow. So I, the fans are going to go nuts if it's safe to go back to work for them, but the players refuse to play. That's another one. Hey, I got to go back to work, or it's safe enough in my work environment. How come you're not going back to play baseball? You're not going back to play hockey. You're not going back to play basketball. Hey, basketball players, there's a big one, Mike. Yeah. These guys sweat all over each other. But if I may, they're not going back, but they're not being paid unless they go back, which is the same for anyone else. Like, you Correct. don't have to work. You just won't get paid. Yeah, but again, how do you determine whether your employer is pressuring you to come back? I mean, if public health says it's okay, and you still are reluctant to go back to work under the conditions that your employer is providing. 
I mean, that's a whole other thing. That's a that that's a Supreme Court thing. That's a you got to get a you got to get an employment lawyer for that one. You you know, right. there could be class action lawsuits. And, Holy cow. And that's where uh, Canada versus USA makes a difference. Right. It's all about your jurisdiction. Some places in the states, everything's open yeah. up here. We, as you know. We're slowly, you know, opening things, but most things are still, uh, unless you're an essential service, the doors are closed. Right. Look, look in Florida. They've opened the state of Florida to sports. They've opened it. They've said, we've got the facilities here. If you want to come and train down here, come on. Auto racing down there. You know, we've, we've kind of opened up the state. We've relaxed the, you know, even though there was a, uh, I'm trying to think where it was in the state, maybe near Tampa, where there was a hot spot. And they had to sort of delay the start of whatever the sport was. It went, oh, hang on a second. We can't do that here. Because people are anticipating the flattening of the curve. And so they see what's going on in Florida. They go, well, why can't we have that here? Meanwhile, people are gathering um, to protest the, uh, um, the not opening of a state, for example, in Wisconsin. Right. And those people who are in close quarters, they're getting COVID-19. Yes, but that's almost to say, hey, folks, not just yet. We're not ready to open just yet, but they are. We live in a strange world, Hebsey. Like, I find it baffling that people are out there protesting uh, when, when really, like, this is, an, uh, I know I've used the word unprecedented too many times. I'm not allowed to use it anymore. But in our lifetime, this is unprecedented, this global pan- pandemic. But uh, alas, yeah. yeah. Yeah, sorry. That's for sure. My <laughs> my uh, concern, I think sports is concerned too, is you're going to lose fans that may never come back, <clears throat> right? To have baseball come back after a strike exactly the way it was, right? Fans allowed in the stands, games televised, et cetera, et cetera. That's one thing. But to introduce a sport back to someone after a few months that has doesn't look or feel the same, uh, where people have found other things to do, you, I think you, you, I think you may lose a lot of fans unless you bring it back properly and respect the game and the fans. That may not be easy. No, that would require NBA and NHL need to shut it down and say, let's try again next year. Those two, those two for sure. NFL might be fine, and even baseball might be able to start this late and get a season in, like a shortened season. But I, I don't know the the whole idea that NBA and NHL still think they're going to get that those playoffs in to me is a bit asinine. It's a bit ludicrous. Well, the American Hockey League's already canceled its season and playoffs. All right, the NHL. I don't know what their timeline looks like. They, it, it, it's an hour by hour thing. Oh my God. Oh my God. And the other one is what if, are, is it worth the risk of opening too soon or opening and then somebody getting sick? So you open it, you hope that the 50 or 60 people involved with a team, off ice officials, uh, staff members, et cetera, and players, of course, and coaching staff, if none of them test positive and they're going to be tested very quite often, way more than the general population, then good. You can, you can take baby steps there, but God forbid one person tests positive. You got to shut the whole thing down. You can't just quarantine that person for 14 days. You got to quarantine everybody around them that came in contact with them. And now suddenly the league, now the league goes belly up. Right. Right. And, and, and just to point something out, which I know you pointed out in the past is the AHL relies heavily on gate receipts and concession sales and all that's gone for sure. So it sounds like they're just trying to salvage, you know, the television part of these sports because there's big television deals uh, in the other sports. But, 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 uh, as we've talked before, we don't want an asterisk. Like if they change the playoff format too much or even a little bit, in my opinion, like it becomes one of those 
asterisk seasons. And yeah. if I, what's the point if you're not going to respect the champion at the end of this all? You're right. It's um, it's something that we should be thinking of, but not enough people are because it, it doesn't make a difference now. Like I say, I just want to play is an expression from a guy. Well, what if the playoff format was this? I just want to play. I, a broken record. I just want to play. I mean, what if they, what if it was best one out of the, I just want to play. What if it was two games total point? I just, right. So you're going to get that familiar refrain. And the fans at this point are going to go, I just want to see them play. Right. But again, after a while and the fans go, wait a minute, this is, this is no gun like this. I can't watch NBA players you know, playing with like face shields on or masks on. I, well, I that, that I don't care on. about. I just don't, I just, I need it. For, I do. Okay. I just need it to be like uh, the way it's a best of seven series and the win, you know, and it goes on to best of seven. So you got to win the 16 games to win the Stanley cup. Like right. to me, if you, anything other than that, it compromises the integrity of the Stanley cup. I don't mind a shortened regular season. I just don't want a shortened or truncated uh, playoff season. Well, we're going to have to see. We're going to have to see what they decide on. I guarantee you, everyone's not going to be in agreement. People are going to look and say, I don't like this. It's not the same. I mean, I know it's my team out there playing, but, you know, it's just not the same. And maybe the novelty wears off after a while. We go, okay, there's another Jays game or another um, Leafs game or a Raptors game, but it's, it's, there's no fans. There's no atmosphere. They're pumping it in. It's, it's like when you watch those television shows when you were a kid. You didn't know any better that it was canned laughter. Right. You, you know, you laughed along with the laughter. <laughs> right. Because that canned laughter made you laugh. <laughs> right. But you can't have the same, you can't do the same thing with, with sports. You can't say, all right, pretend that there's a, that's a real crowd noise. And when you hear that, you're going to make noise at home. Interesting times. And you're forgetting the first domino has to fall, which is, uh, you know, Justin Trudeau has to open up the borders. And if he did that today, I think there'd be mass outcry in this country and it would be oh, yeah. a very bad decision politically. So we can't even talk about, you know, putting these teams together until these borders uh, open for the players. True that. When hockey eventually comes back, don't know when that's going to be, it should feature the toughest restrictions of all sports in order to protect people from the virus. An infectious disease expert who spoke to TSN this week said the league should consider mandatory modified face shields for all players, officials, and maybe even coaches. These modified shields would be the most obvious way to reduce the spread of droplets. Perhaps the league considers a temporary ban on all fighting. How about no scrums after the whistle so the linesmen don't have to stick their arms in to break players up? How about wingers? Maintaining a two foot or three foot distance from each other on the edge of the face off circles takes away from that, you know, when the guy leans into the other guy and all that stuff. And, and what about spitting, which players do a lot on the bench, on the ice? You have to eliminate spitting. Listening to you talk, Hebsey, as I hear your voice and you talk, uh, I realize this is ludicrous. Shut it down. Like, what are we trying to do here? This sounds right. like this sounds like a disaster waiting to happen. It sounds like a bad idea. I agree. Shut it down and, st- and suspend the season. Don't declare a champion. Start a new season uh, in September or October. And that's the way it is. Same with the NBA. Shut them down. And, and, and look, in September or October, you may not be able to start. You may be looking then and saying, you know, we're not ready. We're going to have to start the season in December, and it's going to have to be a 70-game a schedule or 62-game schedule or whatever so that we can get next season in. Drafts and stuff like that, I, hey, I, I'm sorry, I'm not even thinking about that right now. Not even considering that. I don't know. I don't know. 
they'll figure that out. But as far as playing the games goes safely and maybe in front of fans, some fans, um, suspend the season and, and get your act together for hopefully for next for the fall, whereby they say, like, for example, Woodbine and other racetracks are opening in the first week of June. No spectators, they say, until at least September. The experts are saying no spectators until like August, September. So don't even think we've only it's only been a couple months. We've got to wait two or three more months before we even consider without a vaccine allowing people. And even then, how many people are going to, are going to put their hands up and go, yeah, I'll go. I'll be a guinea pig. I'll go to the game so I can watch it with a few hundred other people staying six feet away from them. Really? You, do, you would? Hmm. I wouldn't. Hmm. Uh, coaches and other staffers would practice social distancing and wear face masks on the bench. I can see this being an issue in all sports, not nearly as much, not nearly as much in baseball, Mike, as in hockey or basketball. In baseball, every guy could maintain the three foot, a two foot or three foot difference. They really could. Even the first baseman uh, holding the guy on the bag would be about the closest that two players would come to each other. Well, right? anytime you're trying to steal a base or something or sliding into second, there's a lot of that, right? But if that's the case, that means you couldn't walk by someone on the street within a, a two feet of them or an alarm bell would go off. I mean, well, there's a lot of physical. At what point, at what point does public health say you are now allowed to? come within six feet of someone you don't live with. When does that announcement come, Mike? Well, you're allowed to go see your mom that you can go see your mom and, and hug your mom. That's coming. That's coming soon. That's going to come in June. That one, because when that comes, that would allow other people <clears throat> in sports and out of sports to go, Oh, I guess I can come within a foot or six inches or even touch another person. It's got to come one day. Someone's got to say, okay, green light. It's okay. doesn't have to be six feet. Yep, it's coming. Uh, we just don't know when, but it's you're right. It is coming. Joe Buck. You know who Joe Buck is. Of course. Sports. See you tomorrow night. Now. Like his dad What's did. That? Remember his dad and him both had that same call. See you tomorrow night. Yeah. Joe Buck, <laughs> the son of Jack Buck, the great Jack Buck. Um, anyway, Joe Buck made some comments this week about how Fox Television may approach broadcasting NFL games in stadiums without fans. On Thursday morning, a longtime Fox announcer attempted to clarify his remarks, indicating everything remains a work in progress on that front. At this point, nothing's been made official. <clears throat> See, here's what he said on Andy Cohen Live on Sirius XM. He said, it's pretty much a done deal that Fox intends to pump in artificial noise and fill stadium seats with virtual fans to lend some normalcy to NFL broadcasts should real fans be barred from attending games, which is expected at least initially. Buck also suggested that virtual fans will be used so that when a wide shot appears on TV, it looks like the fans at home will see the appearance of a full stadium, even if it isn't. Right. I feel like they're doing this in uh, South Korea. They are. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. They're pumping in crowd noise and they're showing cutouts of fans. Uh, Buck took to Twitter <laughs> Thursday morning and the firestorm ignited by his remarks and walked back his comments, particularly a statement that Fox's plans were a, quote, done deal. He also criticized some media outlets for taking his quote and running with it. Well, I didn't mean to say that. I, what I meant to say. Right. And then he sent out another tweet saying later, among other things, quote, there is no traditional take on this topic. It's new territory. Hoping stadiums are full and all is normal. But if not, then it's a blank canvas. All networks will try to make it look and sound as normal as possible. 
It could lead to unprecedented, thrilling access. Who knows? So, Mike, this reminds me of back in the day, and I think I we discussed this. Back in the days of baseball on radio, the baseball announcers would not always travel to the venue where the game was being played. They would recreate the broadcast right. by using the ticker tape results. So, in other words, coming over the ticker tape, it would say, DiMaggio grounds out. The baseball announcer would take this information and say, Oh, DiMaggio coming to the plate now. Here's the pitch. A uh, ball outside, 1 0. DiMaggio hitting 327. Pitch swung on, popped up, going to foul territory. And it's in out of play for 1 and 1. He's delaying this because he hasn't gotten the ticker to find out what happens to the next guy. So he's got to play this out and say, you know, and then finally, when he gets the information that, um, that uh, Gehrig, you know, homered to left, he can say, DiMaggio with a ground ball to short, and it's thrown, and he's out 6 uh, 3. Uh, shortstop throwing him out. Here's Lou Gehrig, first pitch gone, home run, you know, like that. Right. He would recreate it. So, what Joe Buck is talking about here is, is not recre- recreating, but sort of creating an atmosphere that whereby the fans can get into the game believing that what they hear and what they see is actually what's going on. So it's kind of a, not a farce, but it's, a, it's like a Hollywood production. It's smoke and mirrors. It's smoke and mirrors. Actually, it's the smoke, not so much the It's the mirrors, <laughs> but not as much the smoke. Right, right. Because right. they are actually playing. The announcers are there watching the game. They are describing what is going on in the field. But the atmosphere has to be created. George Lucas should be the guy for the <laughs> NFL games. Right. <laughs> Right. You know, this is what, you know, Hebsey, more we talk about it, it's going to be, I won't know how I feel about everything until it happens. And I'm, I, I will feel inside, like, do I care? Am I interested? Am I engaged? Like, it's, it's like, we're, I won't know really, because like, it sounds like I wouldn't like that. But who knows, maybe it's all about the action on the field. And if there's competitive spirit in there on the field, maybe I don't care about how they dress up the stuff around it. I don't know. I don't I think know. We all want to see what it looks like. And then we want to know from the player's standpoint too. Hey, what was it like? So if the guy's going to be talking about a particular play in the game, like he would under normal circumstances, that's fine. But if the player's going, yeah, it was weird there, uh, you know, looking up and seeing no fans. And um, it was weird hitting that grand slam home run to win it in the bottom of the ninth. And it being uh, the only sound you hear is the whooping, the whooping of the other 24 players of your team on the bench. That's it. Well, think here. Think about this. We all saw, and I'm wearing the T-shirt today for those watching the video. We all saw that we had the one-year anniversary of Kawhi Leonard's, uh, you know, two-pointer at the the buzzer against the 76ers. Like we we all saw it a hundred times probably this past week. Now imagine the same thing. Imagine that same play, the same shot without the uh, Scotiabank Arena fans. It really, uh, and I think Dave Hodge sent a interesting tweet about this, which I I, I think. You, you, we, we, we are ignorant. We don't realize how much less exciting sports will be if there's no people in the in the stands in the stadium to to uh, react. Like I think oh, that's absolutely. a huge. Like I think that it's not just it, it's some <clears throat> golf is one thing, and even tennis maybe I don't know tennis some, some sports maybe in horse racing for sure, but hockey, you know, baseball. We all saw replays of that Orioles game when there was no one in the fans. It, it stands. It, it just seems like practice. Yeah. But again, if you really want to see baseball and you're into the game and you're watching this 2-2 game in the ninth, are you sitting back and going, wait a minute, there's nobody in the stands. I can't watch this game. 
Or is the, is the game itself going to be enthralling enough that it doesn't matter? You're going, okay, the pitcher still has to get the batter out. There's still great defensive plays, clutch hitting, all that stuff. I guess we're going to find out. I guess so. <laughs> um, Steve Dangle Glenn. You know this guy? He's been here. He's been uh, he's right. been a guest on Toronto Mike. He sat in this so seat. I've that never you met him in. before. Okay. Is he a nice guy? Well, careful there. I know. I'm gonna bust my teeth on my microphone. I'm so excited. Is he a nice guy? Yeah, I had a yeah, he was a nice guy. I had a good experience with him. Right. He's an internet phenomenon. Will we say that? He's a social media phenomenon. I think uh, he's a he's the U, the Sportsnet YouTube star. Is that yeah. fair to say? He's a big YouTuber. And so he's, he's got not, a podcast. So he didn't come up as a journalist. He's a, let's call him a regular guy, a regular guy who has some, uh, uh, some prowess when it comes to editing videos and um, ranting about his Toronto Maple Leafs, right? He's like yeah. the number one Leaf fan. Yeah, he's king of the jump cuts. And uh, yeah, he's a, one of those passionate Leaf fans who's really over the top with his exuberance. Right. right. And, uh, and then see what happened was he was hired by Rogers, by Sportsnet, as a... Uh, personality, a commentator. Right. All right. So I'm sure this Donald Trump, this is tweeted out about uh, Donald Trump walks out of a press conference abruptly after getting into an argument with a CBS uh, reporter and then refuses to ask questions, answer questions from a CNN reporter. This is uh, last week, okay. uh, Tuesday of this week. <clears throat> so Steve Dangle Glenn tweets, I'm sure you already knew I thought this way, but Donald Trump is a cowardly, weak-kneed, bedwetting piece of shit. And if you support him, so are you. Uh, now, yeah, go ahead. Uh, again, he works for Sportsnet. I think this was uh, uh, an error in judgment by him. He didn't have to call him a piece of shit. Uh, he didn't have to call his supporters and followers pieces of shit which he did by extension in this tweet and when i saw it i went mm, i can't see anybody else at sportsnet or tsn tweeting out something vulgar like this i think if anyone else tweeted something they wouldn't use the word shit for example they might put an asterisk there right uh, and they may not go as far as to say he is and so are his followers there is certain responsibility, I think. So I think he should be reprimanded for this. I think it should be pointed out by Rogers and Sportsnet saying, we really can't have people who represent, even though it's your own account, going off like this. Had he done this about Justin Trudeau or Sheer or any a Canadian politician, he would not, not have gotten away with it. And so... There should be some apology, some uh, should take the tweet down and Roger should say, pull him aside if they haven't already and said, uh, look, Steve, you, a good journalist doesn't do this. I know you didn't come up as a journalist, but you could tone it down a little bit, because if you were to say the same thing on the air on one of your segments, you certainly would not say that out loud on Roger's television, would you? No, no, he would not say the S word on Roger's Sportsnet. No, no, but he also wouldn't, even if he didn't say the S word, he wouldn't say, he wouldn't say that about Trump and his supporters on his show. He would, he might say something, uh, 
like he wouldn't drop an S bomb, but he might be on I don't know a Tim and Sid show and say something of the like. And say that anybody that follows Trump. Yeah, if I may, only because I know uh, I saw that uh, the the link flying around last night to uh, a very a very anti-immigrant, uh, really kind of I would say uh, sort of like the rebel media. There's a I don't even know what it's called, a True North, which to me offends me as a guy who's a fan of True North, uh, the music with Bruce Colburn. <laughs> but this website, I have no interest in this website, and they wanted to make a lot of noise here. But to me, it really reminds me of when the people who are mad that Don Cherry got fired from Sportsnet went off on Jess from The Social. Remember we talked about this with Jess and she made that comment about her experience and people thought she should be fired because if you fire Don Cherry for this, why isn't Bell Media firing Jess from The Social for that? It really feels to me, and this is me speaking for Mike here, that this is much ado about nothing. I'm fine with Steve's tweet. I don't the S word sure doesn't bother me on you Twitter. Are? Yeah, well, it's fine. He didn't here. Let me just. So anyone that's a Trump supporter by by extension, you know, is allowed to be, you know, mocked this way. Well, sure. Like it's not it's not a nice us. it's not a nice tweet, but he doesn't here. If I may, he doesn't go. He doesn't go at a, a race. He doesn't go at a. This is Steve Dangle. He doesn't go at a race. He doesn't go at a religion. He doesn't go at a gender and he doesn't go at a sexual preference. He what he's doing is he's going at an ideology. Yeah, I'm actually, to be honest, I'm just telling you, I hope he's not reprimanded and I hope he's not fired for sure. Uh, and I don't think there's any comparison between this dangle tweet and what Don Cherry tweeted, uh, 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 said on his Mike, show. Go ahead. You labor under the misconception that I am taking this guy to task because Don Cherry was done wrong. But I never mentioned Don Cherry at all. I don't know what this website bullshit you're talking about is i'm talking about me seeing a tweet and going whoa that's unprofessional and nobody else at sportsnet nobody at sportsnet or tsn or any of the uh, broadcast networks would allow one of their employees to tweet this out okay a couple of, now, i don't know the other but, thing go is, ahead. yeah edward go ahead. rogers who is the owner or the chairman of Rogers Communication, which owns Sportsnet, is a conservative. Uh, whether he's a Trump supporter or not a Trump supporter, the point of the matter is, is that, and I don't want to say, look, he should stay in his own lane or he should only talk about hockey and the Leafs because that's why he was hired, blah, blah, blah. That's not for me. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. But if Rogers Communication said to all their employees, on-air people, go ahead and tweet what you want. You can say whatever you want about Trump and Americans and whatever, as long as you don't get into religion or race or creed or color or anything like that, go ahead. Do you even think if they said that, that other commentators would say, great, I can call Trump a piece of shit and all of his supporters? They wouldn't so risk he it. should be reprimanded. Not fired, Mike, not fired. Reprimanded. But what does the that mean? Tell me what that means. That you can't do it. Does that mean they pull him aside and say, hey, you might not want to, you know, paint all these people with a, a rude brush like that. Is that what reprimanded means? Or do you, are you talking about like a suspension or something like that? I don't know. Because I got to say, it's my, to me, it's nothing. Like uh, people are trying to, and I know I brought up the cherry gate because online on Twitter yesterday, I saw a lot of people trying to equate this with cherry. Like if you fire Don Cherry, you got to fire Steve Dangle. And to me, there, there's nothing to, there's nothing to do with each other. Like I'm okay with uh, Dangle, saying this about Trump and Trump supporters, to be honest. I'm fine with it. It doesn't, uh, I don't think he should be suspended or, uh, I mean, I don't know if his bosses probably want to ask him not to be rude. Like, but if I point to a couple of sports media people 
who say similar things, maybe not as uh, aggressively as Dangle did there, but oh, Bruce Arthur. By the way, I'm using my new microphone here, Mike. Oh, you just switched though. Cause well, no, yeah, I just switched because I realized that the microphone was unplugged. Oh my God. All okay. this time I've been going off the computer microphone. Okay. You sound much better now. Said, I forgot to plug it in. <laughs> <laughs> right, so I go on. Bruce Arthur. Yes. It's Bruce okay. Arthur, this episode. A columnist. An award winning okay. columnist. Right. Who, is who has n- years and years of experience. Right. And he, he's not, I asked him, he came over to and we talked about this. He's not a TSN employee, even though he's on TSN a lot. So he doesn't have to work. TSN has a rule about no political tweets. TSN has that rule. Sportsnet doesn't have that rule as far as I know. But Why not? They, they, they're okay with their, uh, and I'm kind of glad about this. They're okay. They with, yeah. Like they're Damien. okay with their employees calling Trump a piece I didn't of say shit that. all of his followers. I said they're okay with their employees being political on Twitter where TSN is not. Damien Cox, who's no longer with Sportsnet, was extremely political on Twitter. And the other guy who works for both, I think he works for both Rogers and, uh, and Bell because of his contract, so it's a bit different, is Leo Rowdens. Leo Rowdens is extremely political and anti-Trump on Twitter. And again, Bruce Arthur, the same. So You show me where Leo Rowdens has written that Trump is a piece of shit and so is all of his why, followers. Why? The other thing is this, Mike. Yeah. Leo Rowdens has earned, earned the right to do this. He's been a commentator for how many years? Bruce Arthur has been writing brilliantly for how many years? You kind of got to earn your stripes. Why? It's kind of like the rookie stepping in and saying to the veteran player, hey, I'll take over now. I'll say what's on my mind. And I just think that for Rogers to not say, Steve, you know, think twice before hitting the send button because you are Steve Dangle Glynn of Sportsnet. Right. And, and and calling anyone a piece of shit lowers you, your standards and also uh, has a direct effect on the rest of Sportsnet. Oh, that conversation you know, might happen. wants to be known as the guy that, oh, you work with that guy who calls people pieces of shit. Yeah, but look, look you, you do know in this country, the overwhelming majority of Canadians uh, think Trump is a POS. But not all of his supporters, though. But you see, yes, I, it's rude, and it's. It, but but no, I I totally wrong. understand the sentiment, and I don't think Mike, it's. Uh, if he was to do that in Canada, he would be reprimanded and likely fired. What's the equivalent? Like, he, he, the, if he went out, he was to say that Trudeau was a piece of shit, and so are all of his followers. It's different, though. It's different. I'm telling you, right. Hebsey, it's right. almost... So, so it's okay. Ahead. It's okay to say that a political leaders and all of his followers are pieces of no, shit. No, only if it's Trump. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. It's because it's Donald Trump and because... You're right. Of, it's a, you're right. It's a double standard. It's, it, it's okay. Matter, he can he go at Trump and Trump's followers. He shouldn't be reprimanded. He, he, shouldn't, he, should, he, should be reprimanded. he should know that what he did was wrong and there would have been another way to do it to get your point across. But how thin-skinned are people that, like, like who's hurt by this? It's only The only people I can see upset about this are the people right. who are mad Don listening. Cherry got fired. You're Go not ahead. listening. Go. Rogers has a responsibility and Steve Dangle Glynn has a responsibility. All right? There's certain, you know, codes and ethics and stuff like Again, you're mentioning Leo Routens and, and Bruce Arthurs and all that. Even they would not go out and call someone on Twitter a piece of shit, nor would they say it broadcast-wise. So to me, it's quite simple. If you mm-hmm. wouldn't say this on a broadcast, don't write it in a tweet. Hebsey, man, I think the standards, I think you're, I think 
it's fair game to swear, especially an S-bomb, which, I mean, how, how offensive is, is the word not shit? If, not if you're in that position, it's not. It's cheap, it's but, vulgar, and, it, it, and anyone will tell you. The easiest thing to do is to just drop an F-bomb, okay? It, it doesn't take a lot of thought. <laughs> I actually Think just... About it. I, it doesn't take a lot of thought. I, if you're an editor and you're the king of the jump cuts, just, just, get, rid of, just get rid of that. See on Twitter, I do I do swear occasionally on Twitter. Where if I w- if I were ever invited on Tim and Sid, which is probably not going to happen, but if I were on Tim and Sid, I would absolutely not swear because I understand the rules are different for television. But on Twitter, I wouldn't ha- I wouldn't hesitate to swear. I guess I I don't know why this S word is bothering you. If he didn't say the S it's word, not, would you be okay not, with Mike, this? It's not. It's the tone. It's Trump and all of his supporters. In other words, if you support Trump, do you want me to read the tweet to you again? Oh, I read it like 10 times yesterday because I, I couldn't believe people were me, upset I'm about this. I'm a bit this. concerned that you are, you're misled by, you're reading something on Twitter and you're misled. And you go, oh, you need to read into it a little bit deeper. He says, Trump's a piece of shit and anyone who follows Trump or supports him, I don't remember his word, but is also is. a piece of shit. Here it is. Donald Trump is a cowardly, weak-kneed, bedwetting piece of shit. And if you support him, so are you. Okay. I don't think I can be any more clear. How about this? The Toronto Maple Leafs are cowardly, weak-kneed, bedwetting pieces of shit. And if you support them, so are you. Okay, you changed the tweet. How about that? What if it was you? What if he was talking about? But a it, it's not team that he's talking about it, and all of his supporters in a hockey vein. I'm a Habs fan, and I hate the Leafs. And here's the thing: if you support the Leafs, then you're what? that's well, you, that's you completely you completely changed the tweet, Hebsy. Like that's right. Yeah, because it, it is acceptable to say that this team and all of its followers are pieces of shit. If you're a Yankees fan and you hate the Red Sox, that's been going on for years. If you're a Flames fan who hates the Oilers, but not in this case here. Anyway, I don't want to talk about this anymore. It is I interesting, though, because he should, be in some, he should be reprimanded for that. You'd be at least told, try to tone it down a bit. But you, are you talk? I guess I want to understand. Are you talking about like his boss on a private phone call telling him maybe tone that down, uh, that rhetoric down because it, it offended some people? Or are you talking about an actual reprimanding, which might be, I don't know, like a suspension or something more severe? Like to me, the, the well, conversation. I mean, tell you what, yeah. How about we ask Don Cherry, Nick Kiprios, Doug McLean? How about we ask all these other Sportsnet employees who are no longer with them? who lost their jobs for whatever various reasons were cost cutting uh, and to say, you know, or let's just, how about we ask all the sports net employees on and off air quietly and say, what did you think? Are you, does this bother you at all? And if the response was, doesn't bother me at all. We love him. And we think he should be able to say anything he wants to say. I, 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 I would love to ask them privately. I think people are so concerned with how they're perceived by their bosses in public. But I think the vast, the overwhelming majority of people who watch Sportsnet are agreeing with Steve Dangle right now. Hmm, interesting. Like overwhelming. I don't think it's close. I think, I think if you why, were... Why do you say that? Uh, because I think if you, did, if you were able to do a census in this country about, do you think Donald Trump is doing a good job and is... is, is no, 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 this has got nothing to do with Donald Trump. This has to do with. The I think tweet. it's got everything to do with Donald Trump. It doesn't. We all know that everybody hates Trump. We get that, okay? That's piling on. Right. But why are you, why are you, using this in your Twitter feed? Like, why is this important to you to get this out and to be this way? Because you've equated Shouldn't Twitter you have with some your type broadcast of responsibility as a journalist. 
I think Twitter has a lower has a lower bar of uh, like I think I think you'll tweet things that you would not say on a Sportsnet broadcast. That's what mm-hmm. I how I'd say it. Like I think that uh, see, that's I wouldn't. A, I wouldn't. I would think if you're a journalist or you're working for a company like that, you would adhere to their standards and practices. Anyway, I'm done with this. Oh, I like this topic because <laughs> I like it when we disagree. <laughs> I just wish I could uh, see this your was video. A big one yesterday, <laughs> lots of discussion on this one. CBS Sports tweets out, "What is the hottest personal sports take that you will never?" back down from my response Pete Rose should never be allowed induction to the baseball hall of fame and I took a lot of heat for that one a lot of heat yeah that's a good one because personal feelings do get in the way I'm not doubting for a second that Pete Rose was a great baseball player great hitter the greatest hitter of all time because he had more hits than anyone else but he was also a first class asshole (laughs) He was a guy who would run at players and, and, and knock them over like he was a football player, injure them and ruin their careers, which at the time people were like, oh, he's tough. He's a tough guy. Charlie Hustle. We love guys like that. Charlie Hustle. Um, and then when he was caught cheating, gambling, saying, oh, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't bet against my own team. People went, hey, he didn't bet against his own team. It's not like the white, the Black Sox scandal where they bet against their own team. He didn't bet against his own team. It should be fine because people are used to gambling. Everybody loves to gamble. Ridiculous. People are in football pools and all that stuff. Um, and so I said, no matter what, this guy should not be allowed in the Hall of Fame, even though it's supposed to be what he did on the field as a player. This supersedes it. He was banned for life. And people don't get the fact that, for example, Let's say Pete Rose didn't bet on his Cincinnati Reds when he was managing them. He didn't bet on them in this game against the Cardinals. He didn't bet on them in this game, but he wanted to bet on his own team on Saturday, three days from now. So he sets up his pitching rotation. He sets up his lineup so that on that day, he has the best possible team. He's going to win, and he makes a bet on his own team. But what he had done in the previous two days was he manipulated his lineup so that he didn't have his best team on the field, and therefore they were more likely to lose. But he did that to sacrifice his team for Saturday so that he could win that bet. That's cheating. You didn't bet on your own team, but you manipulated your squad. and You put them into games where they, they didn't have a chance of winning. They weren't competitive. And that cuts right through the integrity of the game of baseball, and that's why he should not be allowed in the Hall of Fame. So unlike the, uh, the dangle debate, you and I are in a total agreement here, you convinced me it's, it is true. A lot of people on the surface say, well, he didn't bet on his team to lose. He bet on his team to win, but they fail to understand how that influences everything else around that game that Pete Rose bet on. And I now consider betting on baseball at all while you're in the game. I now consider that the third rail. And I'm a hundred percent in agreement with you that Pete Rose touched the third rail. He's dead to the hall of fame. And you see, this is where I think Mike, a lot of times, we as human beings will hear something, we'll read something. This is why headlines were created in newspapers. What's the headline? Can you give me five or six words that can tease someone into buying this newspaper or clicking on and reading the rest of the story? And the Pete Rose one sort of took on a life of its own when people started saying, come on, let Rose in the Hall of Fame. If you're going to let cheaters, these you know, bat corkers or steroid guys, that's way worse than what Pete Rose did. And I, I maintain it wasn't that even though Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa and Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens all took steroids and all, and, you know, increased their performance, 
None of them single-handedly could affect the outcome of a game. But Pete Rose could single-handedly affect the outcome by manipulating his lineup. And that is the worst. If you knew that you were watching a sport, a game, a match that was had already been previously um, determined, the outcome had pretty much been, been determined. In other words, you know that Pete Rose doesn't have his top lineup out there and is not going to use his number one reliever, even if he's got a lead in the ninth, because he's saving them for the next day where he's got a big bet down on the team. And that's way worse than knowing that every guy in the lineup has taken steroids. Agreed. I agree 100% with you, Hebsey. So much for that argument. But a lot of people didn't. Some people I saw on your, I watched your Twitter thread there, and some people said that when Pete Rose dies, they thought he should go in. And, and, and that seems to be like a way to like kind of hedge the bets. Like, yeah, he should get in there, but he shouldn't have the satisfaction of knowing he's in there. I don't know. So you're, you're of the opinion, even after Pete dies, he doesn't get in ever. No. No, no, because I believe this. I believe that it's possible that if Pete Rose did that while he was managing, if he had such a gambling problem while he was managing, who's to say that while he was playing, he didn't, and he did, have the same gambling problem. Loved to bet on games. I know for a fact that when he moved to Montreal and played for the Expos, I have a friend of mine who installed the satellite dish in his backyard so that he could watch all these games because he had bets going all the time. So who's to say that when he played, he didn't do his best to manipulate. I'm not saying that he dogged it out there or didn't try to get a hit. No way. But were there times where he saved himself for the next day because he had a bet going down? He, oh, yeah. He knew that he was going to be great against the pitcher the next day or that Tony Perez or Joe Morgan would hammer that pitcher in, and he put a little bet down on the Reds. Right. Right. And did you see that article that came out about the guy who was corking his bats when he was an expo? So it's, I mean, that's not, I guess that's just another, uh, right. another unscrupulous active uh, activity by uh, P Rose. But the idea that one person could affect the outcome of a game in boxing, the easiest sport in the world to fix. All it takes is one guy to take a dive and you got your bet down. It's done. But, but in baseball, it could be a manager saying, no, I'm not going to bring that guy into the game because I, I got a bet down tomorrow's game. Yeah. You're right. People never look, no one scratches, well, you do, obviously, but most people aren't scratching below the surface. And what does that mean just because, like, why is it okay if you bet on your team to win? And you explained it so eloquently there. Uh, and I know we're running out of time, but I wanted to... We're not uh, running out of time. Okay, good. Because I wanted to ask, I've been watching The Last Dance. Uh, with the Michael. Very good. Excellent. Yeah, I've been, I, I, I just wish there was a hundred million episodes. I'm sad it's going to come to an Join end. Two more. Right. So I watched them on the, every Monday night, I've been watching two episodes of The Last Dance. I've been, I've been loving it. But the owner, the owner, some, I can't remember who it was. A couple of comments. I think, um, Jerry Reinsdorf. Yeah. Okay. So he makes this comment and they leave it hanging there in the dock and it says something to the effect of if Jordan was given enough time, he would make the major leagues. Okay. So I just, I need. I had a little bit of a Twitter exchange with Greg Brady about this, our mutual buddy there. But uh, I, that's ludicrous, right? That that's insanity, right? There's no way. No, but he was. I don't know. Let's say he's pushing thirty and he's batting two oh two for uh, in double A. Mm-hmm. Um, you think he could have made the major leagues? Other than the fact his name is Michael Jordan and it would sell tickets if a team needed some kind of like uh, something like that. But other on his merit, do you think Michael Jordan could have ever made the major leagues? Absolutely. Wow, tell me, this is the hot take I'm looking for. <laughs> yeah, without, without question, he could have. First of all, wow. 
does it take a supreme athlete, a fantastic, tremendous player to make ma the major leagues? I mean, think of some of the guys that have played for the Jays. You know, uh, Kawasaki. Uh, pick a third string. Yeah, but he's a middle I mean, they infielder. At, they were good enough at one thing. Right. They made a major league roster. But Hebsey, man. Now, this is, this is, hang on. This is after playing baseball their entire lives. Their, their entire lives. Now, take a supreme athlete like Michael Jordan who hadn't picked up a freaking baseball bat since he was a teenager, right? You right. can't put him, you can't put him in a ball or rookie ball or anything like that. And the reason you can't do that is they don't have the press facilities to handle a mob of media that would come and watch games in Billings, Montana or wherever they're a or rookie team. So you've got to put him in double a ball, which is like saying to a kid who hadn't picked up a basketball for 15 years, you're you're starting for the varsity against the number one team in the nation. And you're going to have to learn sink or swim. So for Michael Jordan to even hit 202 in double A when he hadn't played or any type of organized baseball, any type mm -hmm. in, I don't know, 20 years and say to him, Michael, if you put your body into a, uh, where you can be a baseball player again and you train um, the way these guys have trained, the guys that are already at double A baseball, uh, and your physical abilities and your natural talent. And we give you two years, three years of proper training, off season, a real spring training, uh, you know, proper regiments, fundamentals, which he didn't know, you know, out there. I guarantee you, I, and I agree 100%. His athletic abilities alone would allow him to. And the reason I mention this is look at Danny Ainge. This guy was a basketball player who was such a good athlete. He was drafted as a baseball player by the Blue Jays and played major league baseball. I don't believe Danny Ainge played a, a day in the minors. He may have, but not much. And went and played major league baseball. Now, did people say, oh, my God, how can a basketball player with no, hardly played any baseball at all, make the major leagues? Well, I submit to you that if Danny Ainge, a basketball player, could do it, then Michael Jordan, a supreme athlete, uh, with the proper fundamentals and the training and, you know, trying to at least catching up to the other players as far as knowledge of the game and, and repetition, he, he would have been fine. Well, I, I hear you, man. You're, that's why I wanted your perspective. You've seen a lot I mean, of, if anyone could do it, it would be him. You've seen a lot of shit, but <laughs> I guess if I look at, he, I would wonder in the history of major league baseball has a corner position. Like I'm not talking about middle infielder, center fielder, but has a corner position player at, at, at anything close to the age Jordan was batted 200 in double a and still uh, made a major league roster. But, anyway. but the 200 in double a was his first ever season of any type of organized baseball, right? Any type and double a is that's, that's big leap double a these guys, the guys who were in double a likely had played at least two full years of minor league baseball and maybe in and, and and maybe in college or certainly in high school, but you know what the pitching difference between Double A and the majors is uh, rather intense. So if he was struggling with, and I know I know what you're saying, he needed time. Of course, he needed time. In one needed season. Time. Interesting. We'll never know the play. answer. I just think if his name was Michael Smith, well, if his name was Michael Smith, he never would have been in Double A to begin with. But uh, I I know why he was in Double A, and I understand it all. I lived it, but uh, I don't think I don't think I don't think that player ever makes the majors. But it, it, we'll never know. So it's a fun debate, though. No, absolutely right. But I think, I, and I, I agree with Reinsdorf, that if you would have said at the beginning of the year, this guy's going to hit over 200, people would have said, no chance. 
There's no way that he could hit a no chance if he's never if he hasn't played in years. I don't care how many curveballs he looks at mm-hmm. off a machine or whatever. No chance. So I, I agree that hitting 200 in Double A in your only in your first season of minor league baseball ever without ever having played the game is remarkable. Well, it's good for and you and if I. He would have kept working, and if he would have worked <laughs> as hard at baseball as he works at basketball, which he certainly has a work ethic, he oh, would yeah. have made sure that he covered all the bases quote unquote. So yeah, I think any athlete that great, I would like to have seen Wayne Gretzky or Eric Lindros tried, you know, playing minor league baseball when they were in their early twenties, never mind in their thirties. So Michael, by the time he was 30 or 31 years of age was in unbelievable. It was like the kid, like one of the greatest athletes in the world. Could LeBron James play football now? Yeah. yeah. Well, why are you saying that? He's 36 years <laughs> well, old. Well, I don't know. I have know? to see him. I have to see him. Anyway, but okay. <laughs> Could Usain um, Bolt be a running back? That's what I want to know. <laughs> could be a wide receiver. <laughs> right, right. Uh-huh. All right. Before we go, the Willie Horton story. Kevin Glue of the Canadian Baseball Network writes a column called, He Played for the Blue Jays? I think he has another one called, He Played for the Expos? And there's these great little stories about little known guys who, you know, had a cup of coffee maybe, or you don't remember that guy playing for the Jays or for the Expos. So he did one on uh, Willie Horton who was a great player for the Detroit Tigers, an MVP, World Series champion, um, and ended up late in his career coming to the Toronto Blue Jays in exchange for Rico Cardi in late 1978. I was a a cub reporter back in those days, working for CKFH. My boss was Bob McCallan. Um, Anyway, Willie Horton comes over in the Rico Cardi deal, plays 22 games for the Jays, and was involved in an incident in the parking lot at Exhibition Stadium that resulted in assault charges after Horton got smacked in the head by a police baton while trying to intervene in a scuffle involving his three sons and other family members and uh, some other uh, 'er ne'er-do-wells in the parking lot. So Horton's three teenage sons, two of whom were named Daryl, true story? (laughs) Spelled the same way. Were involved in the scrap in the parking lot with the RCMP uh, who were on horseback, uh, mounted officers. Otto Velez the Blue Jay outfielder, uh, was nearby when he saw the scuffle. So what happened was Willie Horton's family, his wife, uh, three, his three sons, three of his sons, I don't know if the whole family was there, and other family members had come up from Detroit for the weekend. Willie Horton, I think, and Otto Velez were in his car driving into the parking lot, which you needed a pass to get into. Uh, and the rest of the family followed in another vehicle, which, I, as I recall, we weren't sure if they had a parking pass or not. And they tried to enter the the um, staff parking lot and apparently came too close to two or three guys who had had a couple of drinks. They were white. The people in the car were black. So people, oh, it's a racial fight. Anyway, long story short, there was a, an incident where the cops had to come by. And what happened was Willie Horton was unaware of what was going on behind him. Mm-hmm. But when he found out and he saw the scuffle and he saw his sons involved, he ran across the parking lot to where it was happening. And one of the cops on horseback didn't know who this guy was, didn't know he was trying to come as a peacemaker, trying to protect his son, and hammered him on the head with a police baton, like right in the ear. Wow. Okay? Yeah. And there were some cuts and bruises and whatever charges were laid. But here's the part of the story that is the most interesting to me. The next day, a bunch of reporters, and I was amongst this group because I was reporting on radio, had my little tape recorder and microphone, are trying to find out what happened. Because Willie Horton wasn't playing the next day uh, because he had a big bandage over his ear and they drained blood from his ear or something like that. Ken Carson, a trainer, 
So what happened? What happened? Because this didn't happen on the field. This happened in the parking lot. And we're trying to find out. Anyway, we find out that Otto Velez was a witness. He was a peacemaker. He was there when it happened. And so um, I asked him, I said, you know, to Otto, was the cop that clubbed Horton with his stick, was he a mounted officer? Mm -hmm. And Otto Velez says, I don't know, but he was on a horse. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a Yogi Berra there. And that was the story. And <laughs> Willie Horton played uh, miserably after that. He was obviously affected by the whack over the head. Uh, he decided not to press charges against Toronto police. I, I don't know what happened. I think fines were paid. To me, the interesting part of the story was the Velez quote, but also the fact that two of his three teenage sons were named Daryl. But it's spelled the same way? No, spelled differently. One was like D-E-R-R-E-L-L. And one was D-A-R-R-Y-L. But still pronounced, I'm thinking Daryl. And this is the maybe, maybe one was pronounced Daryl and the other was Daryl. <laughs> and then, it's like Larry and my other brother Daryl. And my brother Daryl. And my, my other, other brother Daryl. Exactly. That's but the hilarious. fact that their names were Daryl. I thought, geez, whoever wrote the Bob Newhart show, which came out after that. That would have right. been in the 80s. Yes, that was in the 80s. Yeah. So this was 1978. So maybe somebody saw this and went, hey, <laughs> what a great idea for some characters on my new sitcom that I'm writing for Bob Newhart. And George Foreman had all the kids named uh, George, right? They're all named George, George and Georgina. Right? <laughs> that's a that's a that's quite the ego trip when you do that one there. But uh. yeah, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, so that's that's the Willie Horton story there. Oh. Um, thought I'd bring that one up, and I pretty much wrap this puppy up. This is that's it for episode number one eighty five of Hebsey on Sports. Glad I found my microphone halfway oh, through the show. If I may, as producer. Oh my God, you sound so much better. Next time, we got to make sure we get that sorted before I press record. Right, I thought that was your job to check the, uh, <laughs> the recording. I'm, I'm waiting for them to let you come back in the flesh here. It's um, very difficult times. Got it, got it. Uh, okay, that's it for episode 185. Thanks to Toronto Mike for production and inspiration as always. Father's Day is coming. And if you want to get that a great gift, hit me up for an autographed copy of my book, The Greatest Athlete You've Never Heard Of. It's the story of George Washington Orton, a real life Forrest Gump type character who helped revolutionize 20th century sports. For decades, they thought he was an American. Yours truly discovered that he was born and raised in Canada and should be recognized as a great Canadian. You can reach me through the website, hebsyonsports.com. You can always message me on social media. My handle is Hebsyman. And Toronto Mike's handle is Toronto Mike. Toronto Mike. Thanks for allowing us into your headspace. Back with another exciting episode next Friday. Until then, so long for now. This podcast has been produced by TMDS and accelerated by Rome Phone. Rome Phone brings you the most reliable virtual phone service to run your business and protect your home number from unwanted calls. Visit romephone.ca to get started.